Welcome to this week's edition of An Hour of Your Life. It's the Army-Navy game day. Go Army. Especially go Army. My name is Kim, and sitting across the table from me is my handsome husband, Steve. And today, we're going to be talking about Santa. So right now, let's just get this out. (laughs) Spoiler alert. Yes. No kids allowed. If you are a child, turn off your radio. If you are a child in the room, go away. If you're a child in the car, uh, whoever is driving the car. Stop and listen later. Yeah, don't listen to the show right now. It's fine. We'll be here when you get back. Um, okay. So uh, right off the bat, I would like to say that most of our Christmas shopping is done. How many, how many Christmas gifts have you bought, honey? I have not bought one yet, but the Amazon guy has uh, his his own special box outside for treats. He does. I saw that on the internet, and I thought that was a really nice idea. So I did that. I it's got ho hos and trail mix and goldfish and water and coffee and soda, all kind of good stuff. Every everything that a uh, good well, we said Amazon. I mean, I think it's oh, we supply everybody. We've got the. The mailman takes some, Amazon takes some. I don't think we've got anything from FedEx, but uh, who else? Like there was somebody else that delivered that took some. So, um, all right. So we are going to be talking about, oh, let's do some announcements right off the bat up front. I'm super excited for next week. Um, Next week is our first ever Christmas show, and we have a special treat for you guys. I guess it's a treat. You don't have to watch it if you don't want to, but... We are, in addition to recording the regular podcast, which you will find on all of the platforms, we are going to set up a camera and you will be able to stream us on Facebook Live at 10 a.m. That's Eastern time. We're also going to try... Okay, let's go back to our time show. That would be (laughs) 10 a.m. Eastern. It would be 9 Central. And like 7 in the morning Pacific. 8 Mountain. And seven Pacific, and but, we're not going to get in all of those other places. No, but and it will also be on on our unless Facebook you're in Arizona page. in certain places of Arizona. Oh my gosh, whatever. It's also going to be. I mean, we'll we'll save it so that it's on um, our Facebook page. If you don't feel like getting up at seven in the morning or whatever to watch us, um, we're also going to attempt to put it on Instagram TV. I've never done that before, so I don't know how that's going to go, but we're going to try it. Um, so it'll be next Saturday at ten a.m. Uh, you can tune in and watch us, uh, and hopefully we won't make any mistakes, but if we do, you'll get to see how we deal with that, too. Um, so that'll be fun. It's a special Christmas story, and if you follow us on social media, every day this week, I'm going to be posting hints about what the story is. Um, it's a kind of a well-known story, not necessarily, but you can try and it'll guess. It'll be well-known to some people, but... yep. To others, it'll be. I it'll think be it'll new. Be, it'll be new. Yeah, um, it's a really beautiful, really neat story. Uh, so you can you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, follow the hints and see if you can guess what it is. And if you guess, I'm not going to tell you, but <laughs> but you can try. Also, today is it for Best of Dayton. If you haven't nominated us for a Best of Dayton... Is um, it today or tomorrow? I don't know. We're going to say it's today and then check back on Best of Dayton tomorrow. And if you can still nominate us, please do it again um, for Best Local Podcast. I know so many of you have already nominated us and we are so, so, so grateful. You can nominate multiple times a day. You can do it as often as you want. 
the way that it works, um, the more nominations you get, the more likely you are to be on the ballot. So we've I've been bugging the crap out of people to nominate us, and then I'm going to bug the crap out of you if we get it on the ballot to vote for us. Um, and so hopefully you'll get to hear me uh, bugging you a whole lot more. But please go to just Google Best of Date in 2019. You can find the link on our Instagram page. You can find links all over the place on our Facebook page. Uh, and just nominate an hour of your life for best podcast. Okay. Is there any other housekeeping stuff right up top? No, I think that's... We'll repeat all of this at the end. Okay. So, again, we're going to give you a couple seconds to get the kids out, and then we're going to start talking about Santa, and we're going to talk about Christmas, but not necessarily the the traditions of Christmas. We're not going to get into... We'll talk a little bit a about little, we'll talk bit, a little yeah. bit about that. Actually, while you're getting the kids out, I um I'm gonna talk I'll tell a little bit about some of our other uh, non Santa things. So um, this time of year is not just Christmas; it's also um, hang on. Oh, let's get the kids out. Okay. Well, oh my gosh, you just wanted to push the cricket button. I just wanted to push the cricket button. Okay. Kids. No more kids. Bye, kids. No more kids. Have a great day. Okay. This is the adult only show. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like bad words or anything. Okay, but um, so there are a lot of different customs this time of year. So in addition to Christians celebrating Christmas, we also have um, pagans. And I have people in all of these friend groups, so I wanted to make sure that we touch on all of these. Um, Kim, always trying to be inclusive. I am trying to be inclusive. That's You say it like it's a bad thing. Uh, pagans celebrate... Um, a couple of different things, Saturnalia, which I'm not going to go into, um, and the winter solstice, and Yule. Yule was actually uh, originated with the Germanic and Norse tribes, and then later was combined with Christian celebrations in the early to mid-900s when Christianity really started spreading. Um, but up to that point, it was actually kind of a, I don't want to say a violent holiday, but it was kind of a drunken, carousing, violent holiday where animal sacrifices were made and toasts were offered to the gods and... Um, yeah, it was kind of a bloody, bloody thing. So, uh, okay, don't don't mess with the pagans this time of year because they'll sacrifice things and and like blood is like splattered on altars and like it's it's pretty uh it's pretty okay. messy messy so celebration. H- how does legitimate question here? So, pagans, how does that relate to if we think of Christmas, we're going to traditionally think about the birth of Jesus. Mm-hmm. So, how how does pagan get into this story? Uh, it more is the the Christian, um, some of the Christian celebrations uh, in their attempt to convert pagans to Christianity. Some okay. of the beginning Christian uh, missionaries, I guess, um, kind of uh, planned some of their celebrations to coincide with pagan holidays. And so they kind of, to kind of get the pagans used to the idea of, like, these are the similarities okay. between our two religions. I, I get it. Um, also, on December 22nd, uh, this year, it changes every year, but this year, uh, Hanukkah, for our Jewish listeners, begins on December 22nd. And I really wanted to cover Hanukkah, um, just touch on it, not go super in-depth into it. You guys can do your own research. But um, I I think uh, I personally love the Hanukkah story. I think it's a really, really neat story. And I think a lot of people, unless you are Jewish, don't necessarily know the Hanukkah story. So I just wanted to tell it real quick. Um, so basically, uh, the story, the, 
the beginning of the story happens around 200 BC, uh, Judea, which is kind of the modern day Israel, the, the tribe of um, the Jewish people, came under control of a guy named King Antiochus. And I'm I'm probably saying that wrong. I'm probably, I know. Now you can laugh at me. King <laughs> Antiochus III of Syria. Uh, and he was all right. Uh, he allowed the Jews to continue practicing their religion. His son, um, Antiochus IV, however, was not so chill. And not only did he outlaw uh, the practice of Judaism, he massacred thousands of Jews in Jerusalem. He desecrated the temple uh, by sacrificing um, pigs, which are unclean animals in the Jewish faith. And just uh, he was just not a good guy. There was, um, long story short, there was a lot of war and battles and eventually a tribe called the Maccabees led by a Jewish priest named Judah drove the Syrians out and kind of reclaimed their land and reclaimed their faith. And the Jews attempted to rededicate the temple and that rededication involved burning a menorah for seven days. And that's the candle. Yes. Seven, um, well, seven it's, prongs? It's, y- yes. Okay. Um, yeah, there's, okay. yeah, it's the, yeah. <laughs> However, there was only enough sacred oil to last for one day. So it's not like you can just burn any old oil. It had to be consecrated and, and sanctified and everything. And there was only enough to last for one day. But miraculously, that menorah to rededicate the temple burned for eight nights, even though there was only a day's worth of oil Um and so it lasted, the rededication happened, the consecration happened, it was all good. Um, and so that's what the Jewish people celebrate at Hanukkah. Now, traditionally, Hanukkah is actually not a major Jewish holiday, but uh, since it's so near Christmas, it's become kind of a big deal. So it's, it's okay. um, so, so that's kind of what it's about. Is that how we're tying our Christmas story in with Hanukkah? Yeah. Okay. So do you want to tell the traditional Christmas Christian Christmas story. Oh, uh, before I, we hop into the like the yeah, Santa I mean, and all of that. I mean, I think most I mean, of our listeners like this, will know. So go ahead, give it. The, you want me to do it? Yeah, go ahead, give okay. it. Give Since it. We're the, talking um, about faith and religion, so the, most of you probably know the traditional Christ, Christian Christmas story, but I don't want to make any assumptions because we do have listeners of all different faiths. Um, and different countries. And different countries. So traditionally, the Christmas story is that there is a woman named Mary who is uh, betrothed to a man named Joseph. Mary is a virgin, um, and the Spirit of God comes upon her, and an angel tells her that she's going to give birth to a baby. Joseph, uh, when she tells Joseph, understandably freaks out because if you're fiance comes to you and says, I'm pregnant and you have not had sex with her. You're going to think that something's up. But, um, he was really troubled by this. An angel came to him and said, no, 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 it really is God. Just take her as your wife. It's all, it's going to be good. It's all good. Um, there was a census, a Roman census, which meant that, um, Joseph and Mary heavily pregnant at this time had to leave uh, the town where they were living and go to the city of David, which is where Joseph's ancestral family was from and register with the Roman government. When they got there, there was no room for them because it was a crowded city and everybody else was already there. Mary was in labor this whole, like this whole time. She ended up giving birth in a stable, um, which, 
or like a cave kind of adjacent to the inn. Interject here. Even a lot of Christians and the Christian scholars will debate exactly how all this happened. The Mm -hmm. general story is the same, but some of the specifics are Was it a stable? Was it a cave? Was it December twenty fifth? I mean, some people say six months. And that's where a lot of the pagan stuff comes in, too. A lot of the reason we celebrate on December 25th is because there was so much pagan stuff going on around this time of year that the early Christians kind of wanted to, like, kind of mix things up a little bit. And so after Jesus was born, you know, the the traditional story that we learned when we were kids was the three wise men came. We always picture the three wise men there with Jesus laying in the manger and all the animals probably did not actually happen like that. Right. It was probably a couple years after. Or at least months. Oh Yeah. It was a while yeah. after um, the wise men, after Jesus's birth, that the wise men came to visit him, probably not even in the manger, but like in the town where they were living. Um, but that's not the whole point of the story. The whole point of the story is that the virgin birth, um, Jesus is the son of God and we celebrate his birth at this, this time day. of year. Yes, yep. on this day. So that's the Christian story. All right. So now, let, let's get secular. Let's get secular. We we're got gonna, all the religious stuff out of the way. Let's get secular. We're going to talk about Santa Claus. Okay, so just I'll throw this out there right now. There's there's a big, long tradition of Santa Claus, and a lot of different countries, cultures will celebrate, or not, celebrate, will recognize Santa Claus as a figure and. The fact is, St. Nick was a real guy that was out there. But how I'm going to take this story is, again, it's it's all about education here. Yep. And hopefully you'll learn something. It's, it's how St. Nick developed into our present-day Santa Claus. So there's a lot of great traditions of St. Nick, especially in Europe and other places. But we're the show is not about that, of how like the Germans celebrate Christmas and St. Nick, it's, it's going to be... One of the things that I thought was interesting about Santa Claus, and I'm sure you're probably going to address this, is the fact that everybody leaves out shoes. Like, we are going to talk about stockings um, a little bit later, but I I just, that seems weird to me. Like, and that's a cross-cultural thing, too. Like, multiple countries, multiple cultures okay. leave out shoes. So, yeah, but to me... I never knew that as an what I'll say an American tradition. I know living in Germany that was yeah. a big tradition in Europe, but not so much. I don't know if it but came. But we over do here. stockings. We do stockings, is, and I will talk about stockings. Yeah, and, and that comes from stockings. the shoes. I was okay. going to talk about that too. We'll, so, we'll figure it out. A lot of sources on this, and we're going to start off with how old is Santa? Mm. Okay, so Saint Nicholas, from here on out, interchangeably referred to as. Santa Claus, and we'll talk about how that came about, but it, it goes back. These guys are tied together. Okay, and this is from um, the Mystic Christmas blog. Which is the most reliable source on the internet. <laughs> Santa Claus was born in an unknown month of 270 AD, so he would now be 1,749 years old. And I will admit, I didn't do the math. That's that could have been That could have been... A post from last year or two years ago. I yeah. don't know, but Santa's old. But the, I mean, the fact is, <laughs> so that's the, fact, when, the fact is, is that the, when the guy the, the real was the born? real guy Saint Nicholas was born in 270 AD, and, and several oh, okay. sources did that. Now, the uh, the mystic blog says this: the date is most likely shrouded in mystery to protect 
the baby Klaus from possible temporal incursions by nefarious time travelers. Oh, obviously. Yeah. So we can't go back and change. Oh, that's you know, no good. Jewel, no Jules Verne stuff going on here. Yeah, we don't want to go back and kill St. Nicholas. Okay, so now, Genius. So most of what I'm going to talk about now is going to come from um, what I picked up from a lot of different sources, but primarily it's from the History Channel. Okay, so they're more reliable than the Mystic Christmas blog or whatever it was that you said you got it from? Yeah, probably. Okay, gotcha. Okay, so... So according to the History Channel and multiple other sources, um, Christmas or Santa Claus can be traced... Not Christmas. <laughs> Santa Claus can be traced back hundreds of years to a monk named St. Nicholas. He was born in Patera, which is near um, Myra, which is in modern... Myra is in moder- no, modern-day Turkey. Oh, okay. And trust me, the Greeks and the Turks do not get along. Yeah. They do not get along. So legend says... There, there are a lot of stories about St. Nick was a really good guy, but one of the stories that really stands out from St. Nicholas here is that um, he saved three poor sisters from being sold into slavery slavery or prostitution by the father. And how he did this, he provided them with a dowry so they could be married. Oh, so, yeah, that's I mean, interesting. That what's because... that called? Like a philanthropist? But he was a, <laughs> he was he was a saint. Yeah, that's so, interesting yeah. though because if he was a monk, I think traditionally monks take a vow of poverty. So the fact that he was able to buy their dowry, well, but, but I guess it was a different. Maybe he time. provided. You know, now we would use a, a GoFundMe page. Maybe he took oh, offerings true. from the church or that whatever. Maybe the parishioners, whatever. But you know, maybe it monks just back in the two hundreds weren't, weren't and poor. I, and I bring this in only because that was an interesting story. Yeah. of of Saint Nick. So I but, never heard that. That's yeah, a good so one. Saint Nick's popularity. It it continued to spread because you know he he was a good guy. He became the the patron saint as the protector of children and sailors. And when he died, which was on December sixth, and it's kind of unclear exactly what year, um, that's the day the feast of Saint Nicholas is celebrated on the anniversary of his death on December sixth. Can I talk about Santa's helper, Krampus, which? Freaked out one of the grandchildren one year. I love Krampus. I love the idea of Krampus. Okay, so for those... Krampus has gotten big the last couple of years. Krampus is... uh, I mean, you guys know how much I love creepy things and and like uh, paranormal things. Krampus is Santa's helper. And he is a bad guy. Um, Although I think he kind of gets a bad rep because he's just doing his job. Krampus, Krampus knocked is what it's called. I think it originated somewhere in Germany, Austria, Bavaria, somewhere around there. Um, and certainly Europe. Yeah. Okay. So Krampus comes on December the fifth, on the at the night of December the fifth. So the day before Saint Nicholas Day. Did Krampus knock off Saint Nick? No, he didn't. He, they're they're but I think they are buddies and they live together in the North Pole. And like I said, Krampus is just doing his job. Krampus. Saint Nick did not live at the North Pole. Okay. We will get to that uh, well, Krampus, when we start talking about Santa. Krampus probably didn't either, and I don't think Krampus is based on a real person anyway. Krampus is Krampus is not affiliated with St. Nicholas. He's affiliated with Santa Claus. So let's clarify that right off the bat. Krampus does some different things depending on where in the world you are uh, and where you're at in time. Traditionally, Krampus uh, eats children. <laughs> he eats the bad kids. 
Um, he might yeah. go ahead and tell that story. <laughs> how that might, went over. He might beat them with sticks. Uh, I, I will. I will admit that I made the mistake one day when, when the kids were being exceptionally uh, less than stellar in their behavior. I told them the story of Krampus and our. How old is Hadley at the time? Four. Three or four. I think she was four. Uh, she refused to go in the bathroom by herself because she was afraid Krampus was going to come get her when she was sitting on the toilet. I thought it was hysterical. Her mom didn't think it was so funny. Now, it, now it, she can laugh about it, yeah, but at the time now, it was not funny. Yeah, now it's funny. <laughs> but anyway, so Krampus, um, after that, I started telling a different version of Krampus where Krampus only comes... It's, it is true that Krampus only comes to visit the naughty kids. Like, he doesn't come visit the good kids. So if you are a good kid, you don't even have to worry about Krampus. But if you were naughty this past year, Krampus traditionally comes and either beats you with sticks, kidnaps you, or, like, kidnaps you and then eats you. Okay. I have softened my telling of Krampus to tell the kids that if... And the whole story in the lump of coal. Is yeah, if, if, the, if Krampus comes to visit you on December the 5th, he's going to leave a lump of coal in your stocking. And so if you get a lump of coal in your stocking, you have some time to fix your behavior before Santa comes on December 24th. And this is how legends and stories get started. Yeah. So one of these kids could grow up and write a book. Uh, right? I, and, could, be, I yep. could be the, the catalyst of all kinds of fun stuff, but parents. So take that for what it's worth. Use Krampus. There's nothing wrong with, with using Krampus to get your kids to behave instead of, instead of, uh, Beer, you know, if bribery, I'm telling you, there's nothing wrong with it. That's, that's a secular Christmas in a nutshell. So if your kids are misbehaving, introduce them to the story of Krampus. And then if they're being real rotten, then leave us like a piece of rock in there and they're stocking on December the 5th and be like, ah, oh, Krampus came. You're lucky. You got some time left before it's straightened up before Santa comes. Also one little tidbit that I did want to add before we go on in your, in your segment. Um, so this year I told, uh, our little twins that who are now for the same age that Hadley was when I told her about Krampus, they, I introduced them to the Krampus story and I used the lump of coal thing instead of like getting real violent with it. Getting beaten. Um, and their their, their reaction looking creature their, their is, reaction is, he, is is Krampus a cryptoid? Uh, sure. Okay. Yeah. Um, their reaction was decidedly different wait, wait, from wait, Hadley's. Wait, wait, wait. I I got to stop right here. Yeah. When we were in Maine at the museum, did we or did we not see a Krampus in there? I I think we I did. I think there might have been a Krampus there, yeah. in there. I think okay. it's safe to call Krampus a cryptid. But okay. go, a even cryptid. Avery had different opinions than Hadley did. Hadley was afraid to go to the bathroom. Um, Eve, I had to explain what a lump of coal was. And Eve said, oh, it's like a rock so I can paint it. And Avery said, Grandma, if Krampus brings me a, a lump of coal, I'm going to give it to you. So they are decidedly not afraid of Krampus. So if you're going to do Krampus, make sure you like do it right and instill the fear that goes with him. Okay. So in the words of one of your favorite actors and in one of your favorite movies, I digress. <laughs> okay. So okay. we're going to go back to St. Nick here. Allow me to retort. Yeah. And St. Nick, we're going to go back to St. Nick when he was alive again. So, okay. you know, we said he died on December 6th, yeah. but so he was alive during the Renaissance. And he was one of the most popular saints in Europe at the time, even after the uh, Protestant Reformation. And that's when um, 
and I don't know a good word for this, so I'm just going to say the idolization of saints began to be discouraged. Mm. And so even during this period, um, St. Nick was still a popular guy that was going out there. So he just had the reputation as the all-around good guy. And for whatever reason, this was especially true in Holland. Okay, and that's important because St. Nick crossed the Atlantic into American culture, popular culture, around the end of the 18th century. So around, oh, wow. Yep, really? Yep. So around December in, say, 1773, and then again in 1774, a New York newspaper had reported that groups of Dutch families had gathered to honor, to celebrate his death on the 6th of December. You know what? That doesn't, I, that kind of surprises me, but then upon further consideration, the Puritans that were living in America at the time were like hardcore anti-celebration of anything, yep. so that doesn't, it shouldn't surprise me. Yeah. Again, this is just the evolution of yeah. Santa coming. So, you know, he's still called St. Nicholas, but in the Dutch language, he was called um, Center Claus, which yep. eventually evolved into Santa Claus as we know him today. So this story, it, it goes on and on, this evolution of Santa. So in 1804, a guy named John Pittard, who was a member of the New York Historical Society, Society he started passing out wood cuttings of St. Nicholas at one of the society's annual meetings. So in, in the background of these wood carvings, I said cuttings, so in these carvings, it contained like the now familiar Santa images. It, it was Santa with stockings filled with toys and fruit hung over fireplaces. So you can see how this whole thing to where we are today began to evolve to where we are today. So... To keep it going, in the 1820s, stores begin to advertise Christmas shopping. So, you know, now we're getting into... The commercialization The, the commercialization. Christmas. I'm trying to think back to uh, our Thanksgiving. When, about when did we start seeing um, Black Friday? Oh, gosh. I, it was a while. It was like in the 1900s, I think. Yeah, it may have been. But anyway... Stores are starting to, hey, we can make money off this and do that. And actually, that was, we were kind of talking about that this morning. Um, downtown, like, I I know you said Columbus did it. In Dayton, um, I can even remember when I was a kid, I don't, there was this uh, department store called Reich's that was downtown Dayton. And they always had these beautiful, beautiful, big picture windows um, that they would fill with, um, like, Christmas scenes and like toys and and puppets that moved and stuff and eventually Reichs closed down, um, and the uh, local Victoria Theater Association um, I think are the ones that kind of saved like all of the stuff and now in our big we have a big um, like like nationally recognized um, art center called the Schuster Center and now at Christmas time they set up the displays of the Reichs window go, lo go local Dayton right. Uh, they set up um, displays in the in the lobby of the Schuster Center, and you had stuff. You said they did the same thing in Columbus, yeah. and I so, think they do that in a lot of cities. Yeah, I mean, when growing up in Columbus or around Columbus, there was a uh, the the popular store was a store called Lazarus, and it was downtown. Of course, there were stores out around town too, but the big main store was Lazarus in Columbus, and they had these windows. And there would be all sorts of, you know, the train sets and all mm -hmm. the typical how you picture, yeah. you know, the, the, the 1960s, 1970s, 50s, 40s traditional type Christmas out there. Yeah. So, 
1822, a guy named Clement Clark Moore. Now, this guy, he was an Episcopal minister who wrote a Christmas poem for his three daughters. Mm. Guess what that poem was called, Kim? I know the answer, so I don't want to no, guess. No, go ahead. Uh it's not called Up on the Housetop. What's it, what's it called? It's, I know gonna, the story. You were going to say, Twas the Night Before... That's what I was trying to come up with. You would be wrong. Oh, I would yes. be wrong? Yes. Oh. The actual story was called... Um, uh, da, 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 an Account of a Visit from St. Nicholas. I think that was actually tucked away back in the back of my brain somewhere. Yeah, it probably was. But... It was. It Hashtag is, it, English major, but... It, 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 it is the story, it, the, as we know it of now. Yeah. Twas the night before Christmas. And initially, the guy didn't want to publish this. When I say the guy, we're talking about old uh, Reverend, Reverend Moore here. He didn't want to publish this due to the... And if you could see my fingers, I'm making the quote signs right here. The frivolous nature of its subject. But he wrote it. He wrote it, but he didn't want to publish it. It was, it just, was just for his kids. It was just for his kids. Okay. But he did. And that story, Twas the Night Before Christmas, is largely responsible for our modern-day image of Santa Claus is that, in, again, in... A jolly here, old elf. The, with... right, the right jolly old elf. Yep. And his ability to break into houses by coming <laughs> down through a chimney. Okay. I was informed the other day by the four-year-olds that he has that ability because of his magical hat. Well... <laughs> someone, someone obviously has told him that, but they, I don't know where they got they, it from. They but could have come I, up with all the, on their own. That's what I heard. Okay, so the poem also it it it's made famous now. How we picture traditionally picture our image of Santa Claus, who flies from house to house on Christmas Eve in his miniature sleigh, led by eight flying reindeer to leave presents for deserving children or lumps of coal that. So that depends on whether or not you believe in Krampus. Some people say Santa leaves lumps of coal. Some people say Krampus leaves okay. lumps of coal. And I just saw the other day that male reindeer shed their antlers this time of year, but female reindeer do not. Therefore, most of, like, all of Santa's reindeer are actually female. Hmm. Okay. That's what I heard. But see, you, you talk about the Krampus story, but I'd never heard of Krampus, but I knew the tradition of... You know, if I was bad, I was going to get a lump of coal in my I, Yeah, I honestly, I had never heard of Krampus until I was an adult. Yep. So how did Santa do this all in one night? We've covered this. He's magic. Time zones. Oh. Yeah. So Santa goes from Santa's slick. He starts out there in the Pacific someplace. And so he makes if his we way get rid of daylight savings so. time, is that going to mess Santa up? No. Okay. No, it, that won't mess up Santa. He will, he will adjust because it'll still be a 24-hour period. Okay, gotcha. Okay. But, you know, to a kid, that explains it. Mm, and it makes works. Sense. It, it worked on me. Of course, kids are a lot smarter now. But, again, internet. remember, send the kids out of the room if they're gone. We're, we're letting you in on some of Santa's secrets mm -hmm. right now. So, to continue on with this story and the evolution of Santa, around the 1840s, newspapers were creating special sections for holiday advertisements. And they started showing images and pictures of Santa Claus. So what happens next? It's just like a commercial right now. The kids see something on TV. What do they want to do? I want that. They want to go see it. So yeah. by 1841, thousands and thousands of children visited a Philadelphia shop to see a life-size model of Santa Claus. And so it was only a matter of time before the stores began to 
but Santa's out there mm-hmm. to us to start to attract children, just with the chance of seeing what a real live Santa looked like. Okay, so in 1881, a political cartoonist, a guy named Thomas Nast, drew uh, Moore's poem out, and he created the first visual image or likeness of how we see our modern Santa Claus. And this cartoon of, appeared in uh, Harper, Harper's Weekly. And it, like I said, it showed Santa as we see him now. If we, if we were to go to the mall and you get in the line and there you see Santa, that is how we picture Santa Claus right now. Big white beard, fat guy, glasses. Fat guy, cheerful. Yeah, happy, rosy cheeks. White beard, holding a sack of toys for all those lucky little boys and girls that were good. Yep. So it's Nast who gave us the, the bright red suit trimmed with white fur, the workshop up at the North Pole with the elves and his wife, Mrs. Klaus. Now, this is where we need to talk about Miss Klaus for just a minute. Claus. Claus. Also, okay, see, I, I can't help it. Mm-hmm. Your German's coming out. Yeah, I, I think some things I just think like that and I can't help it. Like the kids used to tease me because I'd say the gummy bear instead of a gummy bear. It's because you spent too much time in Germany. Oh, I love Germany. I love, I Germany love too. Christmas. The Chris Kindle Mart's in I, Germany right now. One of these days. Oh, I want some lab, I want some Lebkuchen right now. Okay, so Mrs. Claus. Okay, so she is Santa's wife, and traditionally her role is um, the Christmas gift bringer in American and European Christmas tradition. She's also known for making cookies with the L. Cookies with the elves, caring for the reindeer, and helping her husband prepare the toys, and that's what hmm. Mrs. That, that's what her role is. I didn't know is. that she like actually was so involved. I thought she just baked cookies and fixed his suit and stuff. Well, I'm sure she went out and petted Probably. the reindeer oh, yeah. and did stuff like that. I, I could see and that. like you know, she she had a lot of stuff to do She's to a help homemaker. get Santa, She's Santa got a lot ready. Of elves to take care yeah, of. Yeah, and it's cold up at the North Pole. It is. I'm not sure where you're going with that, but okay. Okay. Well, this is a good time to mention Santa's elves. So the elves, they're Santa's helpers. They live up at the North Pole with Santa Claus. Okay, so in Santa's workshop, they, they make the toys. They're, they're busy 24-7 mm-hmm. making toys. I'm sure they work in shifts. And they also help take care of his reindeer, among other tasks that elves are assigned. I mean, I imagine, you know, it's cold up there. They have to go out and chop wood. Santa oh, may yeah. have a, a supply of coal, since he brings coal to kids, so they, he may <laughs> be like burning coal elf, up. Elf yeah. miners. He may be, yeah, whatever. I mean, they, they, they have a lot of work to do because it can't be easy living at the North Pole. But we picture elves traditionally, they're depicted as green or red clad with large pointy ears and pointy hats. And they were first introduced into literature by Louisa May Alcott in 1850. Do you oh, know her? Oh, I do. She wrote Little Women. Okay, look, don't destroy my image of Santa and his elves. I'm not going to. She's a great writer. Okay, good. Louisa May Alcott's awesome. Um, also, plug for that movie that's coming out on Christmas this year, which that's interesting that her other big, like, her big thing, Louisa May Alcott wrote Little Women. That's like her big famous book, and it's they're making a remake. It comes out on Christmas. Okay, so... Starting around the 1890s, the Salvation Army needed money to pay for the Christmas meals that they were providing to needy families. So they began dressing up unemployed men in Santa Claus suits and sending them off into the streets of New York to solicit donations. 
And so now we still see this tradition going on. Like if you go to a grocery store mm-hmm. out there jingling their bell with the bucket, yep. and every year you hear the story of someone's diamond ring slipped off in <laughs> a bucket, and it's and out there. And they return them usually, and they return, I think. Yeah, but, yeah. It all happened. So I think one of the most memorable things how we picture Santa Claus is um, Chris, Kingle, Chris Kringle in the 1947 movie uh, Miracle on 34th Street, which, by the way, Natalie Wood played the little girl who believed in Chris Kringle, and Santa was played by a guy named Ed, Edmund Gwynn, who won an Oscar for that role. Good to know. And then as we keep going on, the uh, Macy's and Santa, Santa is per, uh, appeared in this Macy's Day Parade tradition. I think mm-hmm. he, he like winds it up it. in yeah. 1924. So now let's kind of go on and let's cover the popular and I'll say current American tradition of Santa. So, Santa Claus, basically he lives at the North, North Pole and he flies to all the homes all over the world on Christmas Eve to deliver toys to good little boys and girls. He flies with his magic sleigh led by a reindeer. Kim, do you know the names of the reindeer? On Dasher, on Dancer, on Prancer, on Cupid, on Donner, on Blitzen, on... Vixen. Vixen, on... That's it. Reindeer, Dasher, Rudolph. Dasher, <laughs> Dasher, Dancer, Prancer, Vixen, Comet, Cupid, Donner, and Blitzen. And then we have the most famous reindeer of all, Rudolph which is now becoming a controversial story. Why? Okay, so Rudolph was bullied, and bullied is, I mean, bullying is bad. Right. But when this was written, it was, I mean, I think personally it's a great story of perseverance, determination, bravery, yeah. and courage. Not it's got men- a happy ending. Not to mention Rudolph's super navigational skills. The reindeer all apologized. Yeah, and he, he, he was accepted in the crowd. Not that he needed accepted, <laughs> but they like, you know, they all became friends because Rudolph was able to do this, and he didn't let the bullying get him down. And I'm sure Santa and the elves wouldn't have let you know any harm come to Rudolph. Yeah. But anyway, um, I, you know, I just I just don't know why some people want to run down every traditional image and story we have about uh, a lot of things. That's a whole other yeah. show. PC culture. Yeah. But, okay. But, you know, no one is hurt in the Rudolph story. Rudolph turns out fine. You know, this reminds me of something my dad used to say. Some people just want to get your goat. And I think a, a or lot Or your of, reindeer. Or your, in this case, <laughs> your reindeer. Okay. So, right now, children all over the world, they write letters to Santa Claus. There's even a place, North Pole, Alaska, that you can send. And the postmaster up there will stamp it, North Pole, and send it back. I, th- I think you have to put your own response in the letter, but he'll just stamp yeah, it and return the letter. Um, if you're interested, also, if you go to the United States Post Office website, um, you can volunteer to answer letters for people. Like they put them on, they put web- letters online. The Postal Service does uh, from kids whose family either can't afford to get them gifts or, you know, whatever, just need some help. And you can either like adopt a family that way and buy these kids gifts and send them from quote unquote Santa, or you can write a letter to them from quote unquote Santa. So if that's, that's something that you want to do, you can go to the post office website. And with the 20th and moving into the 21st century, we now have the ability to track Santa's progress around the world on Christmas Eve. NORAD. NORAD and most American TV weather stations, weather channels, will track Santa's 
progress, you know, with the radar. Super handy. They, they, they track Santa as he flies all over the world. That's cool. Kids leave milk and cookies out for Santa. I personally, I, I like when the kids left eggnog out for Santa. We're going to talk about eggnog in a little bit, too. Okay, well, that's why Santa's fat and probably diabetic, because <laughs> of all the treats <laughs> that he gets. Okay, now, some people say you leave carrots out for the reindeer. Okay, so I always told my kids that reindeer did not like carrots, that they like cookies just <laughs> as much as Santa Claus did, and to leave out an extra cookie, one for each reindeer. So that was like oh. eight, nine different extra cookies right there. I've heard of other families make like, hay, they call them like haystacks with like, uh, it's made of like pretzels and chocolate and they look like little balls of hay for the reindeer, but they're actually treats. That, that would be okay. <laughs> I think the reindeer would like that. Okay. So Santa keeps a naughty list and he keeps a nice list to determine which little boy and which little girl deserves gifts on Christmas morning and who deserves that lump of coal. So, parents have used this for a long time to make sure their children are on their best behavior. And there's a song that kind of brought this about and made it a part of our tradition. In 1934, Santa Claus is coming to town. Now, what do we use? We use that song. We use the Jackson 5. The Jackson 5 version of... (laughs) Oh, you better watch. Okay. But now, what what do you move around on the shelf every night? Oh, the elf. Okay. Do you want to give a quick yeah, rundown so, on the elf on the shelf? Yeah, and- because uh, we don't have kids of our own any, anymore, but, you know, the grandkids come over every day and I take care of them, and so we have an elf on the shelf here. Um, it's a relatively recent phenomenon, I would say, within, uh, like, big within the last 10 years or so. Uh, even though it's been around, the elf on the shelf idea has been around for a long, 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 long time, um, but it's been commercially mass produced and the the basic gist is that each house has their elf and now you can buy like elf pets and you can buy so elf there's outfits. Like, there's like big elf. There there is there's big elf. Um so each house has their own elf and the kids it comes with a book and you read the book um to your kids and basically the kids are not allowed to touch the elf otherwise it loses its magic power and if your kid touches the elf you can go on youtube there's like a bazillion and one different ways to get the elf back its power and most of them involve cinnamon and glitter um but so the elf watches you during i would the think day. It would involve eggnog and cookies nope molasses cookies cinnamon and glitter Please specific molasses cookies no you're okay. wrong sorry okay. Um, but, but the elf flies back to the North Pole every night and tells Santa if you've been bad or good. And then it goes to a different spot so that you know that it flew home uh, to tell Santa. And then the kids have to find the elf the next day. Okay. So let's talk about a little bit more about Rudolph, the most famous reindeer of all. He was born over 100 years after his eight flying counterparts, the other reindeer. So Rudolph the baby of the family. Rudolph, the red-nosed reindeer, was a creation of a guy named Robert L. May, who was a copywriter at the Montgomery Ward department store. So in 1939, May wrote a Christmas-themed story, poem, to help bring holiday, to bring people into Montgomery Ward this time of the year. And he used a similar theme and a rhyme pattern to Moore's Twas the Night Before Christmas, and he told the story of Rudolph, the young reindeer who was teased by the other deer because of his large glowing red nose. But when Christmas Eve turned foggy that year, Santa worried that he wouldn't be able to see and deliver the gifts. And he went out and he found that poor outcast reindeer and hitched him up to the front of the sleigh. And Rudolph, with his 
No, so bright. He led the sleigh tonight. He led the sleigh tonight. And so that's the story. Given the opportunity, a liability can be turned into an asset. It's a great moral. It's a great moral Stop story. ruining Rudolph. Yeah. So Montgomery Ward sold almost two and a half million copies of that story in 1939. And then it was reissued again in 1936. And the book, again, sold over three and a half million copies. And many, many years later... Um, now it's public domain, right? Uh, it Probably. might be, but as we know about public domain, you even have to be careful with public domain because yeah. artists will still, even though the song itself may be public domain, the illustrators and, and stuff and, and of the books. And everyone yeah, still has sense. copyrights to it. So they, you know, then the song was written in 1949, the one that we know. It was recorded by Gene Autry, that famous singing cowboy, and it sold over 2 million copies. Wow. And since then, it's been translated into 25 different languages. And it's even been made into a movie narrated by the great Burl Lives. He just, he just has that... He does have a good voice. That good storytelling, mm-hmm. narrate, kind of like me here on the <laughs> radio. Or on not radio, on this. Okay. So, I mean, that's been going on since 1964. Now, we talked about trademarks, Santa and trademarks. Father Christmas is a British company and the owner of the Santa of SantaClaus.com. So they own a trademark for Santa Claus. Now interesting. Trademark there's good news here. Trademark experts say that Santa Claus has become part of the public domain and that trademark probably would not pass muster and a legal challenge. That's good. Okay. So that is pretty much runs us up into currently where we are with the current day Santa Claus right, and the cool. current day stories and Christmas. So what are you, what are you going to talk about now, so, Kim? Uh, just like we did on Thanksgiving with you, you told us a little bit about the history of Thanksgiving. And then I talked about the, some of the traditions of Thanksgiving. We're going to do that same thing for Christmas. Um, so some of the things that you think about um, at Christmas time, uh, we're going we're gonna to delve into. We already mentioned the stockings um, comes from the tradition of leaving shoes out for St. Nicholas. Um, and but at that point, traditionally, stockings are are socks, like shoes and socks. It's not anything fancy. And I don't know why kids leave shoes out for Santa. Like that seems gross to me. And their socks, presumably clean, out for Santa. I don't know why. That seems weird and gross. But uh, the decorative stockings. We probably could have googled that. I kind of looked at it a little bit, and I couldn't find anything reliable. Like why? Oh. Okay, so so fact, uh, fact. We report nothing but fact on this show. That's true. <laughs> we, with with reliable news sources like Christmas Meta Net, the, whatever the, it was. The, the American Education Association would probably pull <laughs> our certi- certifications oh, if we don't Lord. present everything anyway, that's just fact. So decorative stockings began showing up in the 1880s. So the stockings that we see now that are definitely not socks, uh, but are stockings. Um, those showed up in the early 1880s, and traditionally, stocking stuffers are like fruit and candy, although um, now you see all kinds of stuff. Like, you can get some pretty... Ex- basically, if it's small enough to fit in a stocking, it's a stocking seen, stuffer. I have seen jewelry stores yeah. say, put that diamond in there, because it will definitely fit It will definitely in fit in a stocking. I would not recommend putting expensive jewelry in your stocking, because I've seen the way stockings are emptied, and those little those little fancy expensive things can get lost They're dumped. for a while. Uh, caroling. 
we were supposed to go caroling today and ended up not being able to because of a flu outbreak at the hospital where we were going to go. The Veterans Hospital. Um, but caroling actually uh, has been a part of a lot of various festivals, including May Day, Christmas, and Easter. Um, and they didn't really become exclusively a Christmas thing until the 19th century. So that would be the, the 1800s. 1800s. Yeah. So caroling for Chris, like only Christmas is a fairly recent. A lot of our traditions are fairly recent developments. One of the things that is not a recent development, though, is the use of evergreen. Um, you see it everywhere this time of year. It's actually a very, very old custom. And originally, evergreen boughs were just a friendly reminder that, yes, cold winter sucks, but spring and green things will be back soon. Okay. Evergreens, popular in Europe. Does this anything go back to, and we talked pagans, like with Vikings? Maybe. Okay. Sure. I mean, they've been around for a long, 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 long time, um, because the same. I mean, I was just wondering. The, why do you have something that no, you? No, no, it just, you know it, just I don't know? it just popped up in my mind right then. Maybe I don't. Like I said, the whole point of evergreens, historians think that because people, you know, in the winter time, um, blah blah blah. Yeah. It's yeah. kind of crappy out and, and cold and winter, winter snowy depression. and winter depression. There's less light. And so people bring in the green, the greenery from the evergreens and the pines and firs and so on and so forth to remind them that, that this isn't going to last forever and spring is coming. Um, the origins of the Christmas tree were actually the paradise tree, which was a reminder of the tree in the Garden of Eden, uh, Adam and Eve's tree that they ate from. England's Queen Victoria put up a Christmas tree in acknowledgement of her husband's German heritage, and by 1900, one in five American families had a Christmas tree. Today, 25 to 30 million live trees are sold every year. I actually, I tried to find statistics on how many artificial trees are sold every year. I couldn't find any statistics on that. I don't know why. Uh, But I did find some other statistics. Uh, These are all dealing with... um, mostly dealing with real Christmas trees. There are close to 350 million real Christmas trees currently growing on Christmas tree farms in the U.S. alone, all planted by farmers. So they're a renewable resource. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, In fact, uh, they are not only renewable, they are also recyclable. And... um, there are about 4,000 local Christmas tree recycling programs throughout the United States. For every real Christmas tree harvested, one to three seedlings are planted in the following spring. There are about 350,000 acres in production for growing Christmas trees in the United States, and because of that, much of the green space is preserved. Well, thank goodness Christmas trees are pine trees generally, yeah. you know, that family, and not oak, so they can grow yeah. quickly. yeah. There are close to 15... You know what? We've done that before. We've gone out. We've cut our own Christmas tree. Uh-huh. And that was, that was fun. It was fun. It was fun. Uh, there are close to 15,000 farms growing Christmas trees. This is all in America. And over 100,000 people are employed full or part-time in the industry. Now, they do grow, I think, a little bit faster than some other trees. However, in order to grow a six to seven foot tree, uh, it can take as many as 15 years... Well, Although but they just plant in, it can take it, as few as four years. The average growing time is seven years. And I bet that helps miracle grow. Probably. <laughs> the top Christmas tree producing states. Do you want to take a guess? Um, Washington, 
state? Yes, that's one. That that was purely a guess. I would say Minnesota or one of those states up north, Maine. No, actually, you're on the wrong coast. Um, Oregon, Washington um, are the two of the bigger ones. North Carolina actually produces a lot of Christmas trees. That's Michigan, the wrong coast. Michigan produces a lot of Christmas trees. And maybe Georgia. No, Pennsylvania. Wow. Wisconsin. Why well, said Wisconsin? Why well, said Minnesota? I was saying one of those okay. one of those two states up there. Fair enough. Now let's talk a little bit about the fake trees, which is what we have. You know, I would think Georgia because a lot of the paper mills and they grow a lot of these farms down there grow these trees for um, for paper mills. So I would thought Georgia would have been one of the top producers. No, because they're growing the trees for paper, not for Christmas trees. Well, all right. You uh, want to wrap stuff and put them <laughs> under those trees. Um. Artificial trees, this might make you want to go out and get a real tree next year. 80% of artificial trees worldwide are manufactured in China. And while real trees are a renewable, recyclable resource, artificial trees contain non-biodegradable plastics and possible metal toxins like lead. Okay. So maybe next year you should get a real tree. You know what? Next year we'll go out and we'll, we'll chop down our own tree. But... There are danger, I think more dangers with the real tree than there are with a fake tree because you have to remember to water your real tree. So if you have not watered your tree this week, hit pause, go water your tree. That is a huge fire risk. Well, you know, back in the day, they used to use candles. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. But, you know, they, they probably weren't putting their trees up right after Thanksgiving. Yeah. I mean, or before. Prob- yeah. 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 But okay. you need to water your trees. And also this year, this is the first time I've seen this circulating um, on the interwebs where there's a picture of like a praying mantis nest where somebody was like, if you see this in your Christmas tree, it's a praying mantis nest. Go take it out immediately. And like spider nests and stuff and like ant, like bug nests in people's trees. I've never noticed that before, but there's a big I have thing. I've never even heard of that either. I've seen it making the rounds where uh, that's like the latest scare is if you see a bug nest, if you see this thing, it's not a pine cone, it's a bug nest. You need to get it out of your house. Because remember, if you've seen it on the internet, it's got to be true. Absolutely. Okay. All right. Um, let's talk a little bit about the other greenery, mistletoe. Uh, mis- <laughs> I, I just, I feel bad because I'm kind of ruining some Christmas things here, like the, the artificial trees. And mistletoe... Scrooge. Mistletoe, actually, as pretty as it is, it's actually an invasive parasitic plant. It attaches itself to the host. Well, good. Chop it down. Hang it in your tree. Yeah. Hang it, it in your house. It attaches itself to the host plant, and it siphons off all its nutrients and water, killing the host plant. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Don't look at me like that's, that. Maybe that's why we ought to, like, take it down and... Uh, yeah. That's a good argument. Okay. Mistletoe is able to, able to bloom even in the harshest of weather, which is probably why Celtic Druids associated it with fertility. Um, in the story, you know, the, the thing is that if you're, you're supposed to, if you get caught under the mistletoe, you're supposed to give the person a kiss. If you are a man or a boy caught under the mistletoe and the girl, this is the, this is the legend, if the girl refuses your kiss, then you're going to have bad luck. So. Well. Please don't force yourself on anybody. <laughs> anyway. Um, okay. So that's all the bad stuff. Advent calendars. Uh, Advent. Mm-mm. Mm. Yeah, Advent is uh it's that's another Christian thing. It's I think it's more Catholic than Christian, but I don't it's Roman Catholic big thing. 
Um, It's a period of waiting for the birth of Christ, and it's also a period of waiting for the second coming. It begins the fourth Sunday before Christmas, and it's been celebrated since the fourth century. Now, the modern Advent calendar, Advent calendars have always been... That would be the 300s. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) The Advent calendars have been around for a while, but the modern sort of commercialized Advent calendar was created by a guy named Gerhard Lang uh, in the early 1900s. His mom did something similar to him, um, and back like back in the olden days, uh, they would have like colored pieces of paper that were stuck up to the wall, and each one would have like a like a Bible verse or something on the back of it. Um, and you can kind of do this now with the Book of Luke if you read it, if you're a Christian or if you observe the Christian element of the holiday. If you read a chapter of the Book of Luke starting on the first of December, then it will get you right up to Christmas Eve. Um, but now Advent calendars are filled with toys and like little toys uh, and candy and if you're a fancy jewelry or you know whatever else. Yeah, you're going to have a new diamond in your Advent calendar every, every day. day? Kim. Every day, Kim. I'm I'm good. Just give me chocolate; it's fine. Um, Christmas cards are a relatively new thing. The first commercialized cards were published in 1843 and sold for 12 shillings. Now, I I mathed a little bit, and we all know that I'm great at math. 12 shillings equates to about 60 cents, which um, in 1843 money. In in 2019 money, uh, 12 shillings is about $20 for a Christmas card. $20 $20 for a Christmas card? Yeah. You can and buy that's a whole just pack the card. for that. Yeah, that's just the card. That's not the stamp to mail it. Surprisingly, they actually sold a lot. And today, Americans send about 2 billion with a B cards each year. It's a lot of, that's a lot of love. <laughs> Rupert is over here getting aggressive, wanting to be petted. Aw, he's a good boy. Uh, all right, and then my last little tidbit of Christmas cheer and Christmas tradition. One of your favorite things, eggnog. I like eggnog. I do not, but I know you do, so I thought I'd throw it in here. Eggnog was probably inspired by a medieval drink called posset. It was made of eggs, milk, and sometimes figs or sherry. It was very expensive to make, so it was reserved for special days like Christmas British colonists brought it to America, and then they figured out how to make it cheaper. So that's where the egg part of the word eggnog comes from. The nog part, do you want to take a guess? You'll never get it, but you want to take a guess? Nog. Sleeping? No, that's a good guess, though. Um, The nog part comes from the word noggin, which was a slang term for the wooden cup that you drink eggnog out of. Okay. So, egg drink out of a noggin. Okay. So there you go. There's our... Christmas traditions. Well, you know, you, you said something in here a little bit ago, and let, let's get serious right now for j- just a second. I mean, we try to keep this lighthearted, but Christmas and the holidays is a tough time for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. If you are one of those people who suffers from Christmas depression um, or who has a hard time, um, 
I know uh, yesterday was the fifth anniversary of my grandfather's passing. I know Steve's dad passed um, around this time of year. It can be very difficult for a lot of people. I would just suggest to you, if if it's a hard time of the year for you, um, try to keep yourself active, surround yourself with those people who care about you and love you. We are those people. Like We really do value you so much. If it gets to the absolute worst um, and you are just not feeling it. There um, are plenty of helplines. Absolutely. There are plenty of people to talk to. But, you know, if, if you see yourself getting into this kind of position, go out, get some help, talk to somebody. You know, it, it, I, I'm not trying to make light, but I saw a little thing the other day. It was um, Piglet and... Um, Pooh. And Piglet and Pooh, and they went out there and they found Eeyore. And yeah. Eeyore, being himself, was sad and depressed. And basically, Eeyore was just happy to have Pooh and Piglet sit there with him. Yeah. Sometimes, if you if you are uh, if you see somebody in your life, pay please. I know we get busy in the in the the commercialism and the busyness, but pay attention to the people around you, please. Um, if you see somebody, or if you are suffering yourself. Um, you can call, there's a number uh, available 24 hours a day, 1-800-273-8255. If you just need somebody to talk to, reach out, call that number. They will be happy to talk with you. Um, and if, But don't, don't depend on um, the people in your life who may be suffering from depression to take care of themselves. Just take care of each other and, yep. and make an effort to reach out to somebody. Veterans, active duty, you know, take care of yourselves out there. And uh, you know what? You can also, you, you can go to a nursing home and just Oh my sit. gosh, they would love that. Yeah. If you want to reach out to us, um, you, can, you can contact us via social media. I am really good. Steve is phenomenal about checking our social medias. We would be happy to talk with you. Um, we'll, we'll, I am back and forth with you. If you want to email us at alosthour at gmail.com, we can email back and forth. We really, we really do care about you, and we want to make sure that everybody is good this holiday season and yeah. enjoys their time. And, and, and don't be afraid to take those, you know, the young kids to the nursing homes and let let those people who are there, you know, they they enjoy kids, Absolutely. and it, it's going to bring back a lot of good memories for them. So, yeah, you know, help 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 a friend out, help a stranger out there in this season right now. Yeah, and we will have one more episode before Christmas. Yep, special which, edition next Chris or next week, uh, December twenty first at ten a.m. Tune in on Facebook and possibly Instagram, um, definitely for sure Facebook, and you can watch us. Okay, Kim. Anything else about Christmas holidays or anything like that we want to talk about? I don't think so. Just make sure that you are going on today or tomorrow and nominating us for Best of Dayton, Best Podcast 2019. Please, thank you. Okay, so we're not going to say Merry Christmas right now because we have have a little bit more time before Christmas. So from the beautiful studios in the 13th Hour Studios (laughs) in Beaver Creek, Ohio. Thanks for spending an hour of your life with us. 